0: Welcome to the Nine Moms podcast. My name is Phineas and this is my mama's
1: podcast and and here she is. Hi guys, before we get into today's episode, here are a few little ways that you can support this podcast and the recording of all these beautiful birth stories you can go to instagram and follow me at nine months podcast you can give me some likes there and if you are listening in to the podcast on your phone you can take a screenshot and share that you are listening to that episode with me and tag me in it at nine months podcast and i will reshare and we can help spread the word that the podcast exists to other people you can head to patreon.com slash nine months podcast and become a patron there and help me support the work that i do here you can also head to asana this is a s a n a etc.com which is an online platform of yoga movement and meditation that I also run and on that platform there is prenatal and postpartum yoga videos that you can practice with with me um, that are pre-recorded and you can use the promo code ILOVEYOGA one word capital letters for 30-day free trial so please go ahead and support me any way that you can so I can continue doing this beautiful work for this community. Uh, And please don't hesitate to reach out. If you have any comments or any any feedback or any reviews for me, please go to the um, apps where you listen to the pod and give me a rating there or send me a message at the 9 podcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening and now let's get into today's episode. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Nine Months Podcast. It is episode number 47 today and we are back for part number two of Carly's birth story. I know that uh, we've been anticipating this second part also. I've had a couple of messages from you guys saying that you're ready to hear it and it should have been in one piece. Um, but I'll just keep you guys on your toes sometimes. Maybe it's a good thing when these episodes are quite long, so we'll see. Um, let's dive straight into it. If you are new to the pod today and you're listening for the first time, then do please head back to episode number 46 first to hear the first part of Carly's birth story. All right, so let's hear from Carly and hear about how Rosie came into this world. So how did you then, uh, did you guys then decide that um, you were going to have another one? Yeah, so Andra
0: and I are both from families of three. So when we met, we, and I feel like we talked about children pretty early on. I mean, we dove into our relationship quickly. We met abroad and then it was like, okay, come with me to my country. And so he came to San Francisco with me and then it was like, okay, my visa's up. Do you want to come to my country? So then I moved to the Czech Republic with him. And so, you know, you kind of, um, you talk about stuff if you're going to follow each other to each other's countries, I feel. <laughs> it's much, it's not as casual dating as, oh, whatever, we're in the same city, we're the same nas- nationalities. <laughs> um, so I think we were both set on we wanted three kids. And when we had one, we decided we wanted two. <laughs> and so, now that we have two, we think, okay, I think two's it. I think maybe three would be crazy. So we always knew we wanted at least two, and three if uh, if we decide to go crazy. So <laughs> it was um, it was just a matter of kind of planning. Okay, let's let's um, let's wait till you know, we get to enjoy just our first kid and, you know, we didn't feel like we needed to rush into having another one too quickly. Um, And so we actually, we planned on trying to get pregnant uh, at the beginning of uh, 2020, actually in the spring of 2020, we were planning a trip to Indonesia. And so we thought, well, I don't want to get pregnant before we go to Indonesia but maybe we can get pregnant in Indonesia. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but then um, our trip got canceled because of COVID. And so mm-hmm. we, um, we didn't go and we decided, okay, I don't know, let's just wait a couple months and see what is happening in the world. Um, and then it seemed, okay, doesn't seem like this is going away quickly. Let's, you know, keep keep living our lives. And so we decided to start trying, um, I think in like that summer, summer of 2020. And, um, I think we were both a little bit surprised that it didn't work the first time. So we kind of thought, huh, that's weird. I, I thought I'd be pregnant. Um, and so we were both a little bit like, cause Santiago, okay. Yeah. I was thinking pregnant you know when we looked at each other but with rosie it took um uh not too much longer i I think we were trying for maybe two or three months um and again we we were on a trip to california (laughs) in Mm -hmm. the national parks (laughs) and so that's uh that's, I guess,
1: our our our, our place. <laughs> yeah. No, now you know where you need to go if you want to go crazy, right? Exactly. <laughs> <For a thing.
0: laughs> we just have to find a a west a western U.S. park. We haven't. I don't know. I've never been to Yellowstone. I don't know if, if that counts. <laughs> but
1: yeah.
0: So um, yeah. So we we got pregnant, and um, yep. Yeah, kind of the same thing. Flew back found out I was pregnant in, in the US. Um, Andre flew back to the Czech Republic because he needed to go back to work. And we decided, well, every, everybody was going into lockdown in the Czech Republic. And so uh, Santiago and I flew to Hawaii to go stay with my sister for a little bit. Um, so I actually got my first ultrasound in Hawaii um, at some sort of... Um, Christian clinic. I had to be, I had to be counseled and um, asked about Jesus before they would do the scan.
1: Oh wow! Uh,
0: yeah, the U.S. is a funny place, and we do not have good access to healthcare. And I, I don't live there, so obviously I don't even have you know U.S. healthcare. And so, if you want access, a lot of the times you have to rely on. On the Christians or the religious organizations, (laughs) or you know something. So I was like, "Hey, I'll 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 go to the Christian community health clinic. I you know I'll 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 talk to you about God for a little bit." So they were very pleased that um, we wanted to keep the baby and that we were married and you know all that.
1: So that's great. That was kind of a funny. (laughs)
0: That was kind of a funny experience, but um, and I remember I shocked the nurse because I just took off my pants. She was going to do the ultrasound. I was like, all right, so I just stripped down my clothes. I guess I'm just so used to it here. We're just, I don't know, a little bit more like um, not afraid of nudity, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And I remember she turned around and she was like, what are you doing? I said, you're going to take an ultrasound. I'm just taking my pants off. She was like, "You don't have to do that. I'm just going to pull it down a little bit." I go, "Oh, okay. I'm sorry." <laughs> so, that was kind of a funny. I mean, even though I'm American, I was a bit of a funny culture shock.
1: Yeah, situation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and so yeah, then came back, came back to Prague when I was, mm, yeah, probably two or three months pregnant, and um, yeah, kind of a. I would say it was a very similar pregnancy. Um, No morning sickness. Um, I also, unfortunately, with both of them, I get insomnia um, from the first, like the end of the first trimester to the beginning of the second trimester. And I remember insomnia with my second pregnancy kicked in the same week that Santiago started to sleep through the night by himself.
1: Oh, and I, goodness.
0: So, I was so pissed off that yeah. actually that he was <laughs> finally sleeping Ugh, and I just, I just, I just couldn't sleep. So that, yeah. and it's, it's interesting how both pregnancies were so similar. I thought, is this insomnia? Am I just still having like really, really delayed jet lag, but no, it was insomnia and I think I had it for about a month and then it just goes away. It just, it just ends. And I started to sleep. Um, And then I knew about gestational diabetes. So I got tested early and um, this time I had to be on medication for it. Um, the first one, it was just controlled with diet and exercise. And I think, at least for me, um, my blood scores would be really impacted by my mood and my sleep quality. And so, when I was pregnant with Santiago, I could control that a lot more because I didn't have a kid. It was just me. And I could get, I could nap for as long as I wanted during the day, which I totally did. I would take naps all the time when I was pregnant. But with Rosie's pregnancy, I I I couldn't do that. I still had Santiago. I mean, I, you know, still had to be mom. And so I think that my my poor sleep and then just needing to be mom all the time, I had less control over when I woke up. You know, there would be so many mornings when I just woke up to you know Santiago would just scream for me and so I'd be like shaking out of bed run to Santiago and then I would need to test my blood and I already had that kind of adrenaline kick which would impact my fasting score and then I would get stressed out that it was going to impact my fasting score so it would impact my fasting score um so it um it was it was harder it was harder for me to control I could control it with food and exercise but that very first morning fasting score was really connected to my sleep and my mood, and so I I needed to start um, medication to, to help to help control it, and it um, it didn't really help. Honestly, um, the thing that helped the most was just doing what. I could do to get a good sleep and to wake up without stress, and that probably had the biggest impact. So, just um, ignoring ignoring the calls for me in the morning and just letting my husband go to him instead. Uh, staying in bed for just an extra ten minutes and taking a few deep breaths, and then and then measuring, um, just not having that uh, startling awakening. I think was probably the biggest the biggest help
1: yeah it's so it's so major stress um in Mm -hmm. our bodies isn't it not even just in pregnancy but all the time like just these little things of stress that come to us and it's just impacting the body really harshly isn't it and and we only notice it when it's like these things when we can actually measure it and we go, oh goodness, it's really impacting me. I find it really Mm -hmm. interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when you see that little number on your meter and it, 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 it didn't always click in my mind how it could be possible because if I would just calm down and not be stressed, I would get a lower score and this could be five minutes apart. And I'm thinking, but it's my blood. It's my it's my sugar levels. It's it's literally testing the sugar in my blood. How can it, how can something like that change so quickly?
1: Hmm. But I don't know. It yeah.
0: uh, it does. It does.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Yeah. yeah, totally. That's a whole other podcast, I think. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, great. So how did you get into um to thinking about a VBAC, or, or did you, or did, how did that yeah. all come around? <laughs> well,
0: so I feel like even though I did have a positive uh, cesarean experience, I didn't I didn't want to repeat it. Um, I, you know, just from reading about about births, because like I said, I didn't even consider having a C section. I didn't even imagine that that would be something that could happened to me I had never heard of a stalled labor so I just thought c-sections were for people who had a baby in breach or had some sort of medical condition that prevented them from a vaginal birth um, so I only researched uh, c-section after the fact how to recover you know implications for the baby and I I think that it it's I think it's medically agreed um, at least I I I believe it to be true that a vaginal birth is simply better for the baby than a C-section. And so it wasn't only for myself that I just would rather avoid um, another surgical operation, but also that I think it's better for the baby to have a vaginal birth. And so I thought, well, um, I know that I have the, opportunity to sign up for a second c-section and that's totally fine if if i want to but i decided that i just i didn't want to it just didn't it didn't make sense to me to Mm. choose that as the first option i thought if i need to have a second c-section i'm okay with it um if if for whatever reason the doctor say it's not safe to have a vaginal birth i was i was ready to accept that but i wanted to make sure that i did everything in my power to try mm. and so um i think that's kind of where i came from
1: did the doctor ask you if you wanted to have a vbac or or how did how did that happen? Because normally I would think that they would ask you to have a cesarean, or I, I don't know. I haven't been through it myself. But is that is that like normal practice?
0: Um, you know, I actually saw a couple different gynecologists between Santiago's birth and Rosie's birth. So the gynecologist I had with Santiago, I was I was so upset with him about. Testing me late for gestational diabetes. Um, and there were just a couple, he was an older man. Um, he was the head of the uh, maternity ward at Bulovka. And so he was experienced, but he was, um, he was a bit of a, a, a know-it-all. <laughs> and sometimes I didn't really connect with him. And so I thought, you know what, I don't need to go. I don't need to go back to him. His name is Dr. Dreyak. I'm sure plenty of women have also had him. He's Mm. been in practice here for, for eons. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know what, he was a decent enough man, but I think I can, I can find better. And so I switched clinics and I went, um, I registered with uh, Gin Centrum or Gin Centrum and I started to see, um, a female gynecologist there. I forget her name. Um, and this was before I was pregnant, but I remember talking to her about, um, I think I probably had a question on one of my pap smears about, Oh, can you check my uterine scar or how, how am I recovering? You know? And I remember she very matter of factly was like, yeah, well, if you have another kid, you're probably going to need a cesarean. And so I just kind of took that as, Hmm. Okay. Interesting, but I wasn't pregnant yet, so I didn't care that much about it. But she said it very matter of fact: "Of yeah, you're probably gonna have another one, so no problem. You're healing fine, but just so you know, you're gonna have another C-section." So I thought, mm, okay. So then, by the time I I was pregnant and going still to the same clinic, um, there was a different doctor uh, who saw me, Doctor Um, Dr. Yonash. um and he was he was brilliant. He was the best doctor I've ever had. He was a young man. He was a father. He had three kids himself. His wife was also a doctor. Incredibly kind. And he I I don't I don't really remember how the conversation came about, but um, I think I've just mentioned it to him and he just kind of thought, he, he, he was very open to, um, you know, guiding me, pointing me to hospitals that he thought were more um, open to VBACs. He, you know, would talk to me about it, um, but he was also cautious to say that you won't know until the very end of your pregnancy, whether or not. It's gonna be safe to have a VBAC. So the key things that I was told um, can dictate a safe VBAC is your uterine scar. Um, and so, you know, how it how it stretches. And so even though he would check it for me and he'd say, yep, it looks fine, it looks fine, he said, your uterus does the final stretch, obviously towards the end. And so you're gonna want to understand the integrity of your scar at week 37, week 38, week 39. And that's really where you're going to be able to get a a more realistic medical opinion of the integrity of your scar, but it looks good now. So he would always check it for me. And so I kind of had that confidence. Okay, I had a good operation. I didn't have any problems. with my stitch. I had, you know, minimal pain on my scar. Um, so I felt like, okay, I think my uterus is, is doing good. (laughs) Um, and then the other factor they consider is the estimated size of the baby. And so if the baby's estimated at over four kilos, I think they kind of I I don't know. I feel like they have a point system and they like put a point against you (laughs) if your baby's over four kilos. Um, but Rosie was pretty, pretty small slash, I don't know, average. Um, so she was born at three kilos exactly. Mm. And so that was kind of another thing that was in my favor is that, um, the baby seemed to be, um, you know, on the smaller side which um, made the doctors happy. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like um, in the conversations with my gynecologist, it was never presented to me as you need to or you should go for a cesarean. It mm. was very much like, oh, feedback, sure, of course. Yeah, this is okay. This is what you can think about. Okay, these are the hospitals that I've heard. Um, he recommended Niemocnice Hoshevice. As a, as a good VBAC hospital. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I just looked around and I don't know, tried to ask, ask other women and because I think it, it really comes down to your will to have a VBAC and the doctor's and the hospital's approach to VBACs.
1: And so did you go with this hospital that he recommended? I actually didn't. So oh. <laughs> I um,
0: <laughs> so I felt like with with Rosie I I wanted to plan and prepare in all the ways that I didn't with Santiago. Um because my experience really showed me that it's not just something that happens; it's something that you know you you need to get ready for, right, physically and mentally. You know, and I kind of <laughs> I was thinking as I was you know thinking about okay, what am I going to talk about on this podcast? You know, what are, mm-hmm. what are my thoughts about this?
1: Mm-hmm. I was
0: thinking of the metaphor that you would never go run a marathon without warming up, like never. Nobody would go just, I mean, unless you're crazy, you wouldn't just go mm-hmm. run a marathon. No, you, you train, you exercise, you, you, know, you run, you, you, know, you, you, you at a minimum, you stretch. You, you do these things to prepare yourself physically and mentally to right. undertake this big thing, a marathon. Well, giving birth is, to, I think, totally the same way. You need to prepare yourself physically and mentally to go through labor. And so I think kind of switching that mindset to, I want to get ready for this birth because now I know what birth is and I need more, I need a, I need a toolkit. I need, I need things that I know I have done and that I can do um, to make it the birth that I want. And so part of that process was deciding that I wanted to work with a doula. Um, And so I heard from another American woman who uh, had a VBAC here in Prague, and she said, oh, doula Lenka, you've you've got to contact Lenka, she's the best. Uh, We joke that if we have a third kid, I would not do it without Lenka. I could leave my husband at home, but I would absolutely <laughs> have Lenka. And I was like, uh-huh, okay. But I totally agree with her now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would not have another birth without Lenka, but I could leave Andre with the kids. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, deciding to work with a doula, I think, was a big step for me. And she, was very supportive of me having a VBAC. And she was part of this pilot program happening at Bulovka where doulas work with the midwives to create a more woman-led birthing experience. And so she was doing, I mean, bless her heart, she was volunteering as a doula at Bulovka just to make sure that this program could, could exist. Wow. Um, and so she said to me, and I and this, I was already about five, five and a half months pregnant when I reached out to her. And so of course I was already registered at um, different hospitals. I was registered at Podoli and Nuratovice. Mm. Um, and she said to me, well, have you considered Bulovka? (laughs) And I said, no, I just, I don't know. Bulovka is some big hospital. And I think I had a a negative connotation because my former gynecologist was, was the head of it. And so I thought, I don't know. I don't think I want Bulovka. But she said, and she told me about the program. She told me how she volunteers there and how if I decide to register there, that... Um, she can kind of just help facilitate things that much more because she's so familiar with the hospital and she already works with the midwives. And so she said, you know, if there's already that harmony existing with, with your team of your, the medical people and doula and, you know, yourself, it can just make things that much smoother. And so I thought, okay, I, I trust you. I'll, I'll, um, I'll switch to Bulovka. Um, and at the same time, I found out that my former gynecologist was no longer the head of Bulovka, but he moved to be the head of Nerutovice. <laughs> and so <laughs> that made me think, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to go there. <laughs> um, and um, yep, yeah, so registered at Bulovka And um, I did a couple uh, preparatory courses with Lenka. Um, So we met to talk about, just talk about birth, talk about the stages of labor. Um, And it was kind of a mix of um, discussions, but also like specific techniques, different ways, uh, you know, different ways to breathe, different ways to stand. Um, we talked about um, you know different words to use. Which, when we were when we were talking about this, I I found it. I don't know, maybe a little bit silly. I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, you've got to all right to talk about the words you use. But during pregnancy, um, I think Andra said. <laughs> something very simple out of, you know, the goodness of his heart. Don't don't bunch up your arm or don't don't bunch up your shoulders or um don't don't forget to breathe or something like that. And I think I snapped it and I said, don't don't say don't (laughs) because (laughs) it really is so powerful to only use the positive versions of what you're trying to achieve. So instead of saying, don't scrunch your shoulders, you can say, uh, relax your shoulders, um, you know, breathe, release your breath, not don't hold your
1: breath. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, in, in theory, I thought, mm, okay, this maybe sounds a little bit too, too, I don't know, hip to dip for me, but it was so, it was so important. Um, when the real deal was happening. And I found it really, really useful that Lenka guided the whole thing and helped guide my husband with this positive type of language to give me tips about what to do with my body, what to do with my breath, and what to do with my movement. Um, So we did kind of a a session on that. And then we did a session um, called Binning babies, which are a bunch of different positions that you can do um, leading up to the labor to kind of create space in your body, um, and you know, also kind of relieve um, some tension. And then you can also do the the moves during labor, which is very uncomfortable, but it um, it can help kind of progress things and um, kind of, in my opinion, give you, give you something to do, feel like you're, you're doing something to pr- promote uh, the process um, and that you're moving somewhere. So, so yeah, just preparing for the VBAC, I, I wanted to do everything. So I worked with a doula, I took hypnobirthing classes, Um, to you know give me one of the tracks that was my favorite it's called confidence and power and um, that's totally what it is Um, so I listened to my hypno breathing tracks and I you know kind of would come I remember Lenka told me to um, always be ready with like my counter questions to the doctor if they start to pressure me into a cesarean or into an induction. Um, And so I felt like having these women around me, my doula and then Lucy, my hypnobirthing coach, I felt like I was, you know, I was like exercising. I was getting ready. I was getting ready for it. Um, And I think that had a really big impact on me feeling like i was making the right choice and knowing that i could have a a healthy and safe vaginal birth and that it was totally normal to have a vaginal birth after having a c-section and so i think those that just process of feeling like i am doing what i need to do i i can't control how my uterus healed but i can control so many other things around my preparatory uh, experience. And so, so I did.
1: And how did um, labor start for you? So um,
0: I, I was very hesitant to kind of repeat anything from Santiago's um, start of labor. And so we did not have sex for the, you know, end of the pregnancy, I was like, I don't, don't even try. I'm, I, I, I was very scared to have sex towards the end because I didn't want it to kind of start the same way, have my water break and have no contractions. Right. Um, and so another part of my, my process was using, um, the anabol. Have you mm-hmm. heard of the Annaball?
1: Yeah, I've heard of it, but for those that haven't, maybe you could explain what it is. Yeah, so it's like a, um, it's a small rubber ball that's
0: connected to a tube and then a small hand pump, and you you pump it up just a tiny bit, so it's, I don't know, maybe the size of a, a tangerine or something, and you insert it into your vagina, and then you, you pump it up. And so you slowly, you know, day by day, increase the size that you pump it up to, um, theoretically, until you get it to be 10 centimeters. And then you practice breathing out the anabol. So you're not supposed to be um, like pushing it out you're really supposed to be um, kind of flexing your muscles and really working with your breath. So that was really a part of the physical training of um, understanding how um, my vaginal muscles work, how to connect my vaginal muscles to my breath and to my breathing. And so I was very intentional with practicing with the anaball every night from I believe you can start at week thirty six, and so that was kind of part of my my routine was practicing with Annabelle, having you know space to myself, um, and paired with that, um, I also did perennial massage, which physically was actually really freaking hard. I remember looking at, I was following these Instagram accounts going, how do these nine month pregnant women get two thumbs down into their vagina and, <laughs> you know, spread slash massage. And, you know, my husband was, he's like, I'll do it for you. Show me the, show me the tutorials, you know? <laughs> um, and I was like, no, I, I got it. I, you know, I can figure it out. And I, so I, I made that, that, that was actually a very challenging thing to figure out how to do. But again, I just wanted to anything that I could do, I wanted to do. So I was very deliberate with the anabol and then taking a shower and doing a perennial massage. Um and so that was my process starting from 36 weeks. And then during once I hit my due date, um I tried to stay calm, but I thought, okay, I need to step it up a notch. <laughs> so um, a, another doula um, lent me a vaginal steam stool. I think it's called steamy. I don't know. It's basically a stool with a hole in it. And you, there's some special herbs that you boil the herbs and then you put the steamy pot below the stool, and you, you know, very carefully <laughs> take the lid off of the pot so you don't burn yourself, and you let the steam go up into your vagina, and you have a blanket wrapped around you, and so that is supposed to also help prepare you for birth. So you do that, you know, towards the end of your pregnancy, and so I was, I like, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I would sit on my pot, <laughs> I would do my badge steam. I would listen to my hypnobirthing tracks. I would eat <laughs> one, one piece of dark chocolate with like my allotted amount of, you know, sugar. And I like, I mean, I I did this religiously and I knew that in a couple days, let's see, her due date was the 21st and she was born on the 25th. And I knew that on the the. The night of the 24th, there was going to be a full moon and a storm. And so even if it's, I, I don't know, I, I think they, they help. One of the midwives did say, she goes, oh yeah, if there's a storm coming. It pulls all the due dates closer together. <laughs> <laughs> and so I totally had my mind. I'm like, okay, the storm, the storm, the moon, it's going to bring the baby. And so I, you know, I kept telling myself this. And that night we went on a walk. Um, that was also part of the gestational diabetes routine is to go out for a walk after dinner and be active after my last meal of the day. And so uh, the three of us went out on kind of like, you know, it was a, it was a pretty solid hill that we hiked up, um, you know, and it was kind of raining a little bit and you could totally feel the storm coming on. And so then we came home and that night um, laying in bed around, I don't know, 1030 or something, um, I started to very slowly feel contractions. And so I was very excited. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling it. It's happening. And so I started to take notes on my phone. You know, I'm trying to sleep, right? But they were coming every 15 minutes or so. And I'm trying to, you know, kind of write it down and take note of. What's happening? And a, maybe an hour or so, hour and a half into these kind of very slow but building and elongating contractions, my water broke, and so I thought, okay, this is this is definitely it. All right, water broke. I'm having contractions, and so I called my doula, and she said, okay, it's it's up to you. If you're comfortable stay home and wait till the contractions build and if you're not comfortable go to the hospital and i'll meet you there and so i i'm not i was not the um the home birth type i i feel more comfortable and confident in a medical setting and so i thought no i don't want to stay home i want to call babichka tell her to come right now be with santiago and Andra and I will go to the hospital. So we weren't, we weren't in any crazy rush, but I think we arrived to the hospital around maybe one or two in the morning when my contractions had started very slowly around ten thirty, at night. And so, um, we arrived to Bolovka and as I was and the, the, the contractions were, were definitely building. They were, they were getting to a point where I kind of needed to, um, you know, get, get support and, you know, crouch down a little bit and, and breathe. And as I'm as I'm kind of, you know, looking down at the ground and and going through my breaths, um, I found a little painted rock. There's like this, um, there's this thing around the Czech Republic, like, um, you know, Kaminki, Kaminki facebook groups
1: oh, yeah, yeah. where people rocks, yeah. yeah they
0: paint <laughs> rocks and somebody had painted a little rock that said lasca and had little um like heart flowers growing and i was like oh what a sign this is all meant to be, so <laughs> i felt like i was really having everything lined up for me um to have a good experience so i, I grabbed the rock and then we went inside <laughs> and checked ourselves <laughs> in um And of course, you know, after nine months of carrying my pregnancy book around with me freaking everywhere, I left my booklet at home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that um, I got, I think mostly my husband just got scolded for it. I wasn't really paying much attention, but um, Pulafka was full. They were, they had every, every room was full the storm really did pull people into labor. And um, so I had to wait um, a little bit in, in the chair or in the kind of pre in room. And, you know, they checked me and they said, well, you know, you're not, you're not dilated much. You're, you're only, I don't know, two centimeters or something. Um, we, we don't have a room for you yet but we would like to give you um what's it called um it's like a manual induction it's a balloon that they like the foley bulb. yes yes um so that's that was bulovka's um first method they really prefer the manual induction before they do um like a drug induced induction
1: and Why, why and, did they give you an induction when you were not uh, when you were in labor? Because they said it
0: was I was too I was slow oh, I was really okay. at two centimeters, um, and so they basically had this as like a middle ground. They said, "Look, it's right. it's it's gentle, um, it can just help things move along." And so I felt like for those situations, I was also very grateful to have Lenka because. I could say, what do you think? And she said, I think it's a good idea. If you're comfortable doing it, I also think it's a good idea. Mm. And so uh, okay, if Lenka thinks so, then, mm-hmm. then let's do it. Um, and so I was given the folly ball, I guess that's what it's called, which they, it's, they basically um, pump with water, uh, a, a ball, a, um, to kind of push against your cervix um, and so that was given to me and once a room opened I was moved into a delivery room um, but I was still hoping that I could move into the premium room which I kind of never thought that I would want to <laughs> do that especially with the first birth I thought oh I'll just I, I can do whatever put me in a room with five women it's fine <laughs> um, but I thought no I fortunately can afford 4,500 crowns to be in a very very nice room Ulofka has an incredible new maternity ward um, and so but it's, it's you know it's first come first serve you, you can't reserve it You just either it's available or it's not. And so I waited for, I probably spent the first, I don't know, three or four hours um, in another room. Um, And when it became available, I was able to move into, I don't know, they call it like an apartment. Um, And that was really an amazing space um, just to have the opportunity to try different things Um, to be able to move from the couch to the shower to, I mean, they have a huge, you know, circular bathtub. Um, you know, they have, they have balls, they have, they have a birthing table. Um, so it was a really nice space to be able to spend the next several hours, um, moving around and trying different things. And so, we we did that. Um, we did the spinning babies exercises. Uh, I spent a lot of the time in the shower on the ball. Surprisingly, I actually didn't like the bath. I thought that I was going to love the bath, but I I could not get in a comfortable position. Um, and for me, the 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 movement of the shower on my lower back was um, something that really helped helped um, kind of manage going through the contractions um and so yeah we did that for a long time and i i remember i followed some some instagram account that was talking about um you know your right to say no you know how your um your cervix is a shy little thing and if someone's poking their fingers up there all the time it's 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 you know it's going to be stubborn and it's not going to do what you want it to do, which is to, you know, shrink away. And I remember not feeling like that at all. I remember thinking, I, I look forward to the doctor coming in and giving me a vaginal exam and telling me what's happening with my cervix. So Mm. I was very much open to not, not like medical interventions, but I, I wanted kind of that, like, leadership from yeah. the midwives and the doctors. That's just the type of person I am. Um, so a midwife came, and she checked my cervix, and I, had, I was feeling really hopeful. I was like, okay, we've been doing this. I'm blossoming, and I'm blooming, and I'm opening. And I totally wasn't. <laughs>
1: and I mm. thought, oh,
0: <laughs> God this is the same thing i've been working so hard this is my body's just doing it's just doing what it does i guess when i go into labor and so i was i was i was frustrated that i wasn't um as dilated as i as i thought i was but then um they said well let's that, that was a midwife who checked me and they said we're gonna send a doctor in um to, to check you also. Um, and this time we'll ask you to get up on the birthing table and maybe we'll be able to, I don't know, um, get a better understanding of what your cervix is doing. Because previously with the midwife, she was like, no, just, you can stay on the couch, stay on your hip. I'll just check you right here. You don't need to move. So it, it was nice that they were not forcing me to get up on the birthing table. But then when it was kind of, oh God, are we stalled again. Is this, is this happening again? I was happy to, okay, let's do something else. And so when the doctor came to check me, she said, nope, you're, you're opening, you're opening, um, you're about five centimeters. And so I thought, oh God, it's only, it's only halfway, but at least it's more, it's more than two. So something is happening. So going from, you know, no, nothing to five centimeters was, um, you know, very, very long. Um, I don't know. At this point, I guess it was, it was already the next morning. Yeah, it was already. It was actually already the next afternoon. Um, this was probably at yeah, twelve thirty or one o'clock, the following day, and I was still only five centimeters. But I had been having, you know, very intense, constant contractions that just felt, I remember saying to my husband, like, they, they won't stop. They're not stopping. Like, just because I might look okay. Like, they're, they're not stopping. Like, don't leave me. They're not stopping. Um, and so they said, well, you you still, you have an option to have an epidural. Let us hook you up to the monitor and we want to make sure that your contractions are strong enough and long enough to give you an epidural. Um, because my understanding is that an epidural can go one of two ways. It's either going to help progress the labor or it can be a reason to stall the labor and to, to slow things down. But um, I thought, well, I, I thought, Whatever happens, I need some sort of relief. Um, And I had an epidural as well with Santiago, and that before the C-section. I think after the, you know, before the second round of oxytocin. And so I was very much open to an epidural. Um, And so, you know, then it's the agonizing wait for the anesthesiologist, who, you know, of course there's only one in the building, (laughs) and so it was kind of the the great news of, okay, they're going to give me an epidural. I'm going to be able to take a couple deep breaths and just, you know, relax for a little bit and maybe I'll take a nap. Maybe I can eat something. I, I don't know, but I, I need, I need this, this pain to stop. And so um, they came in, gave me an epidural and I mean, I, ugh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. It was, it, um, it was the thing that, and I know this doesn't happen for everybody, but it was the final thing that my body was able to relax. And I opened that last five centimeters in 30 minutes. Wow. And so I just, I even though I was trying, I was trying so hard to relax and to breathe and to open, the contractions were 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 so strong and, and, and so intense that I think I just wasn't, you know, kind of letting myself release enough. And so once I got to epidural and I could just actually really truly fully like let my body um ease, I I opened up. And so, you know, of course at this point you can't feel it, which I, for me, it was, it was perfect. I got to push while I was still under full epidural. Mm. And so I feel like (laughs) here they often try to avoid that because they want the woman to be able to use her muscles and feel her body to effectively push out the baby. Um, but I feel like I had done all that training and so I totally knew what to do. And so those last 30 minutes were kind of wild. They, they, you know, we were all about to go take a nap. I mean, my husband was going to go take a nap. Link was going to probably go take a nap. I was going to fall asleep and they go, Oh, you are opening up. You're, you ready to push? And I was like, yes, yes. I would so rather get this baby out then take a nap right now like yes let's push and um towards the very end I was opening up so fast that um she dropped down too quickly and I don't know if it was if her heartbeat was I think her heartbeat was going up and this like magical midwife kind of this kind of bigger lady with like I don't know if you know that the some, some some Czech women wear these, this blue eyeliner. It was this Mm -hmm. woman with like bleach, bleach, blonde, short hair. And you could tell it was the type of eyeliner she wore every damn day. And Mm -hmm. she had this blue eyeliner and this big woman. And she just came in and told me to get on all fours. And I was like, yes, yes. And she, (laughs) she literally put her hand up my vagina and pushed Rosie back up inside me because she was like coming down too fast. And within like a minute or something, she, I mean, she totally saved the day. Her heartbeat calmed down. Everything was fine. And then I was able to push. So, I mean, I was so impressed by the medical team at Bulovka It was, I mean, I didn't even realize what was happening until after the fact people explained to me what just what had just occurred um so the you know the the 30 minutes after that epidural to her being born was like you know action-packed um but then the actual pushing um you know the head doctor came in and he said okay you know i want you to push when you feel a contraction And I said, well, I can't feel anything. Can you just tell me, tell me when to push and I'll push. And so they said, okay, that's fine. Um, Okay, push. And I just, I I just did what, I mean, I felt like I was supposed to do. And they, she was coming out, um, but at the, you know, in, in the seconds as it's building up, um, he said, "We're going to extract her," and I said, "Okay, you, I'm, I'm, I'm with you." And so they used the vacuum extractor to help with the final push or pull, um, and and there she was. She came out, and um, I remember, I, you know, this whole time I was, I had my eyes tightly shut, and my husband's going, "Open your eyes! Open your eyes!" <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, I opened my eyes and there she was. And they, they put her, they put her right on my chest. And I remember, um, you know, we were there together, but um, I, I didn't get to see her for the first, you know, couple minutes. Cause she was just, she was just there on my chest. So <laughs> I remember kind of wanting to like, kind of lift her up and take a look at her, but I just let her, you know, I just let her be there. Without ever really getting to see her, <laughs> I just saw her little back, you
1: know. Yeah.
0: And um, I remember asking, I, I go, so, um, did, am, am, I, am I torn? Am I, am I cut? Because I, mean, I still couldn't, you know, you can't really piece together what's, what's even happening or what you feel down there. Um, and and no, I didn't have any, any tearing. I didn't have any birth injuries um and so I was just so I was just I was really proud of myself I was like wow okay like it's done and and that was I think what was such an amazing part of having um a VBAC and you know being able to avoid an episiotomy and you know, all the preparatory work that I did, I mean, physically for my vagina and mentally, you know, for my confidence, it, it just had like an immediate, an immediate payoff. You know, Mm. I was there with a healthy baby and it was, it was done. I mean, you know, of course I was, I was sore, but it's, it's not the same type of sore as a, as a C-section, you know, Um, so it was just kind of, um, yeah, it was, I, I was, I was, I was so, I was happy and I was proud and, um, it really changed my thinking that, wow, even though, you know, that labor, it was still so intense. It, it really was this beautiful experience, you know, not, um, not something you want to (laughs) do. Too many times in life, but it, I <laughs> I used to think that you know, like I said, birth was just some a horrible thing to get through. But um, if you really practice and prepare, and you know know what you want it to be, then it really can be you know something like amazing.
1: Yeah, So absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that's really nice. And how was it to have? little ones at home
0: (laughs) it's crazy I think it's crazier now maybe than it was at the very beginning (laughs) I I don't even know how that how that works itself out but um we um I was I was very happy that by the time Rosie was born Santiago was no longer in diapers and he was happy going to um a preschool a couple mornings a week mm-hmm. so it was nice to be able to feel like we had set set Santiago up with his little life um you know several months before Rosie showed up so that when Rosie came it wasn't this like big uprooting for him and he wasn't being replaced or something yeah. um, but that he kind of already had a little bit more independence in his life already. Um, yeah. And yeah, we all just kind of welcome Rosie. Like she's kind of always been here.
1: <laughs> yeah. So oh, that's really beautiful. Yeah. So nice to hear your stories. Are there, I've been taking lots of notes when you've been, when you've been talking. So I've, I've noted down a lot of the references that you've mentioned, but is there anything that you haven't mentioned that you could maybe recommend to other expecting parents that could be helpful let's see I mean you've mentioned a lot of things so you don't have to mention any more if you don't want to
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I have any more um but yeah I think just just planning and preparing I mean and I feel like maybe second time moms will already know this because they have something to to reference but I feel like for first time moms, I don't know. I just had just the thinking that it'll just go and we'll just see what happens. But I think, and I I also felt like um, it was kind of silly and unnecessary to do, I don't know, kind of these bullshit things like hypnobirthing and have a doula. Oh, what? Some woman to hold your hand and tell you when to breathe. I kind of just thought that it was, um, I don't know not for strong women I, I, I don't even know if that's that's really truly what I thought but I just thought it, all of these things were not necessary mm-hmm. and I kind of found out that for me they they totally made the difference between yeah. my birthing experiences
1: yeah. um,
0: and I think also just being committed being committed to to your your routine and your flow and um you know knowing I think that for me it I can't I can't put my finger on it wasn't one thing that I did it was all of the things that I did Mm, (laughs) all together
1: yeah and this is really great advice also I mean when people get pregnant Everybody just wants to give advice all the time yeah. right? do this, do this, do this. But yeah. when anyone asks me about what, what's your biggest advice, it's also this, you know, take your time and, mm-hmm. and plan and prepare and read about what's about to happen and what is actually happening in your body understand Mm -hmm. the process and then make your choices so we inform ourselves before before we make our choices and then those choices can be whatever we want them to be and
0: yeah yeah I also I also feel like because I was um you know reading and informing myself so much and surrounding myself with 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 people, you know, m- midwives and doulas and hypnobirthing coaches that when I saw advice that didn't make sense for me, I was okay to kind of go, huh, that's not for me. So yes. the advice of, um, say no to vaginal exams. I thought, mm, I, I, that doesn't, mm, I don't think that applies to me. That's okay. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I was also, willing to have a second c-section right if if i believed that it was somehow medically necessary and i did have to have um challenging conversations over the course of that last week with the doctor because yeah the doctors do want to schedule you for an induction it's easier for them they get to plan they get to plan their their birthing flow I mean, and they get to plan their holidays. It's, it's not, it's, you're not crazy to think that the doctor wants to plan to make sure that they have the birth on a Wednesday, not on a Friday. Cause that would, you know, kind of mess up the weekend. It's mm-hmm. like those, these are, these are humans. These are people. Yeah. I, I hope they always have, you know, the patient's best interest, but they're also strategic. They're also managing and running a huge hospital. And yeah. you are one of dozens of women that day who are going to give birth. Yeah. at that hospital. And yeah. so I, I definitely had to have, um, I had to push back on, th- they wanted to pencil me in for an induction uh, a couple times. And I said, well, oh, let's wait for this. Meh, let's wait for that. Oh, okay. Let's wait for that. So I kind of had said, well, let's agree. I think I had told them that I would agree to the 26th and they could pencil me in on the 26th and I could decide that day if I was gonna show up or not. And I remember my doula also saying that, just encourage them to offer you additional scanning. If they, if they are saying that you need to give birth, just say, well, why don't you monitor the baby? And if everything's okay, then let's just agree that everything's okay. And so um, I did have one extra monitoring um, over the course of those extra couple of days, when I was past my due date, mm. um, and so I think for me, I had a balance of knowing my body and knowing, you know, my rights also, but also having, if if I felt like there was really some sort of medical line that was being crossed, of this is not safe for you, then. Um, I think I I would have, I would have heeded that advice, but when it was all general and typically for women or statistically for women, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, "Mm, I don't think that really fits for me. Um, And they, they, they have marks against you if you've had a previous cesarean, if your baby's over four kilos, if you take medication for gestational diabetes, how many milligrams of medication do you mm-hmm. take for gestational diabetes? So I actually had to have my diabetologist talk to the delivery doctor and convince them that it was okay for me to wait past my due date. So mm-hmm. I definitely, it wasn't, you know, all smooth sailing. I, I had to, I had to, you know, be confident and, and stand up for myself, particularly in that last week when they really want to push you. And it wasn't pushing me towards a C-section, but it was pushing me towards induction And I really didn't want a repeated stalled labor. I really wanted birth to start with contractions followed by the water breaking or, you know, followed by more, more contractions. I didn't want to just go try to start the labor without it naturally coming from contractions. And so that was really important for me
1: yeah of course I mean it's really hard if you have someone telling you those things these statistically this happens and we need you to do this because it's not safe and this and that and Mm -hmm. if you don't have the information if you don't know everything about it or you haven't Mm -hmm. done your reading or or studying before then of course you're going to be scared and say Mm -hmm. yes to everything that might not be in your best interest so so yeah Mm -hmm. you're totally totally on point I think yeah yeah oh wonderful so thank you so much Carly for coming on and sharing your beautiful birth stories with us today I really appreciate it
0: yeah, it was a pleasure, Lisa. And I, I hope um I hope it helps somebody listening have the the confidence and power that you can do it. <laughs>
1: Thanks again, Carly, for coming on and sharing your beautiful birth stories with us here on the podcast. If you guys are listening in and you'd like to reach out to Carly, then do go ahead and send me an email at the nine months podcast at gmail.com. And I will forward any message that comes in to her just from there. If you would like to share your story, then you can send an email to the same address, the 9 months podcast at gmail.com, or you can head to the website and fill out the contact form there. You can also head to the website and check out the directory for any kind of birth experience that you're looking towards, finding more information about, you can find there. I will be back again next week with another episode for you guys. Have a wonderful first week of June.